We are Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. I've really actually enjoyed this teaching series we've had on the Holy Spirit. We've heard powerfully and wonderfully about who the person of the Holy Spirit is, our identity in the Holy Spirit, and how we can be transformed by that. Today I'm going to be talking about the struggles that we face and how we can have breakthrough by the Holy Spirit. You see, we can't have all of Jesus if we don't have all of the Holy Spirit. Now, before I came to Anthem Church, I went to 16 different churches in Chicago. I know, I know, I got around, unfortunately. I, I went to a lot of different churches, and every church I would go to, there were times where I'd spend a couple of years there, times where I'd get really invested, and I just kept feeling to be moved on. And one of the things I noticed from that time was is that sometimes the Trinity can seem kind of imbalanced. I'll go to churches, and God the Father, the, the reverence and the, the majesty of God the Father would be on full display. And then there would be Jesus, sometimes a distant second, and the Holy Spirit was like, well, let's be really careful with the number three Holy Spirit. There are other times we'd go to churches, and it would be Jesus, high and lifted up, the reverence of God the Father, but again, number three, rounding out number three, the Holy Spirit, you know. And then rarely, I would come to churches, and it would be the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit front and center, and then distant third, uh, second and third, the Holy, uh, Jesus and God the Father. And I just didn't feel comfortable with that. I would wrestle with that. I was like, why? The Trinity isn't, isn't like that. The Trinity is in balance. God three in one. And the picture I always had was of, of the sun. You see, the sun gives us gravity, which holds our earth together. We don't go flying off into the universe. It has warmth and heat, so we can, we can feel that warmth and heat. We're not an ice planet, you know, frozen solid. But it also has light that, that gives us light to shine light into our dark places. And the, Holy, the Trinity is like that. God three in one, but still one entity. And yet sometimes we shy away from the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to bring the Holy Spirit in full view. We're going to see how the Holy Spirit can help us even in our struggles, show us who we are, and lead us into breakthrough. So I'm excited for today. But when I talk about struggles, I don't mean like with your New Year's resolutions and, and things like that because I'm notoriously bad with those kinds of things. Um, I, I think I'm like 0 for like 150 or something of that nature. <laughs> my, na- my last New Year's resolution was uh, Sheila and I decided to sign up for a ha- half marathon, and we did sign up for the half marathon. <laughs> yeah, we, we signed up, and it was a great signing of that up. But the half marathon is coming up in a few weeks, and evidently you're supposed to train for marathons. And, and so we're, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that uh, at some point. Sheila actually told me, she was, like, she was like, do not embarrass me in the race. I was like, can we just walk it? It's like, no, you cannot walk a half marathon. You know. uh, oh, thank you. Uh, so no, those aren't the struggles I'm talking about. The struggles I'm talking about are those deep struggles that we all have. See, I'm a physician, and one of the things that drove me into medicine was that in medicine, you can connect with people on a deeper and more intimate basis. And every single patient I've ever encountered, they may seem perfect on the outside, but they have deep wrestles on the inside. We've all gone through hardships. We've all gone through pain. We struggle with our identity. There are things that have happened in our past that we still can't quite get over. And there's fear, anxiety, worries about our future. It's just our human condition. But it does, we don't have to stay in that place. A year ago, something happened to one of my children, 
And it filled me with worry and anxiety. And Sheila and I were trying to figure it out. We were trying to fix it. We were like, well, can we do this? Can we do that? What about this? What about that? And we spent hours and hours wrestling with that and, and praying and trying to, trying to make everything right. And we got nowhere. In fact, we just made things worse. We just kept making it worse and worse and worse. And I was sitting by myself by, um, by the lake, and I was just praying and crying out to God. And I said, God, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this. And I just realized I couldn't. And there was a table in front of me, and this little sparrow just landed on the table in front of me, on the table. And I was like, oh, that's, that's weird. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to keep praying. And I kept praying, and the sparrow just kept looking at me. And I was like, hey, get away from me. <laughs> I'm busy praying over here, you know. And then the sparrow jumped on my lap and sat on my lap. And I was like, and I could feel the weight of the, the sparrow. I could feel the warmth of the sparrow. And as I prayed, the sparrow just kept looking at me. And then this thought came into my head. I could catch the sparrow right now. And then I was like, wait, why would I think to catch a sparrow? I don't want to catch the sparrow. What am I, some ogre? I'm like, I'm sorry. And then the sparrow flew away as, as it saw, saw my devilish grin. <laughs> but then I, then I prayed. I prayed about it. And, and I realized God was saying, I was like, God, what was that about? I, a sparrow's never landed on me before. And God, God immediately took me to that verse in Matthew 6. Consider the birds. They don't toil, they don't worry, but God provides everything for them. You are more valuable than a sparrow. You see, the Spirit is always with us, sometimes speaking us so gently, so kindly, so compassionately, that we rush right past it and we would ignore its existence. In John 16.33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Even in the Old Testament in Zechariah 4.6, the word of the Lord, God speaking through his prophet said, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You see, we have 1,500 years of the Old Testament of people having 10 rules to try to be better and try to make it happen. And then those 10 rules weren't enough, so it became 613 Levitical rules. That it was like, if we just do all of these things, maybe we can somehow just be a little bit better. But the people buckled under that crushing weight of all of those rules, all of those expectations, trying to force themselves to be better, trying to make themselves something they couldn't be on their own. Maybe you felt that way. Maybe you so desperately want to have breakthrough, but you've long since given up hope. That you've seen where your efforts lead. Maybe you're struggling with perfectionism where you're like, if I just do one more thing, I can get there. And it hasn't gotten you anywhere. Well, there's good news. There is the Holy Spirit, the great counselor, our helper, our friend, coming with gentleness, kindness, compassion, a few weeks ago, we heard Steve talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. Not the nameless force of the Holy Spirit, but the person of the Holy Spirit. The kindness, the gentleness, the spirit that hovered over the waters during creation. The spirit that freed the Israelites from captivity, from slavery, and then led them by fire during the night so they would have light, and by a cloud during the day so they would have shade. We see that same spirit resting on the prophets so that his people would never feel alone. 
that they would always have communication. They would always be led and guided by, by the Spirit. We find that Jesus came to Mary through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was protected under the Holy Spirit's protection and guidance, leading his parents to safety. He was filled with the Holy Spirit as he went in Luke 4 into temptation. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's how he overcame temptation. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. When Jesus was crucified, it said, the Bible says the Spirit raised him from the dead. You see, all of us were made by the Holy Spirit. I remember the first time I encountered the Holy Spirit. It was actually in one of my darkest times. When many decades ago, I was 15. Yes, I was 15 once. I was a teenager. And I, I was really struggling with my identity and my, some of my choices I'd made. I, I'd realized that all my friends that I thought were my friends were actually just using me and didn't really care much about me. And I felt more and more alone and isolated. I made a lot of bad decisions, countless mistakes, actually. And I got to the point where I couldn't talk to my parents or my family and things like that. And I felt so isolated and so alone. And these two lies crept up into my mind. The one lie is all you ever do, Matt, is cause hurt and pain to people. And the second lie was the world would be better off without you. And those lies were like thorns twisting in my mind, causing me to consider suicide. So I had a plan of how I was going to end my life. I was going to lock the garage door and turn the keys on and hope that that would, that would end things. But the night before I was going to do that, I cried out to God. I said, Lord, if you are real, please help. You see, I grew up in a church that, that realized that there was God the Father was there, and we had heard some about Jesus. But I didn't really know anything about the Holy Spirit. But I said, Lord, if you are real, please help. Help. And I'm weeping in tears. I cried out. I said, please help. If you're real, please help. And in that moment, I saw something. I still don't even know what I saw. I just saw this light. And I can't remember. It was the most significant event in my life, and I still can't remember what actually happened, which is ironic, actually. But, but what I do remember is, is that even though the situations in my life didn't change, everything was different. Everything was different. I knew, I knew deep in my core that God is real, that God loved me, that God loves you, that God cares about me, that he's not a distant God that, that is judging me from afar, but a near and close God who wants to gently take me by the hand and say, it's okay, my boy. It's okay, my girl. Let's go. We can do this together. And I found everything that had faded away slowly started coming back together. I saw the gentleness and kindness of the Holy Spirit. But you may say, Matt, I've never had that experience. Well, you know, the Bible says that all of us who have proclaimed Jesus with our mouth have experienced the Holy Spirit. In fact, it says that in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, that no one can say Jesus is Lord without the work of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1:12 says that he allowed us to partake in this by the grace of the Holy Spirit. So if you have said Jesus is Lord, you've experienced the Holy Spirit. It may have been so gentle that we've glossed past it. And if you don't know Jesus, then if we open your heart to the Holy Spirit, he can give you the gift of faith to know that surpassing joy and grace that only Jesus can bring. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah was running for his life, 
And he was looking. He was so desperate for God to speak to him. And he was in a cave hiding for his life. And in that moment, he looked for God in the wind, and the rushing winds, and he didn't hear him. He looked for God in the shaking earthquake that was there, and he didn't, didn't hear him. He looked for God in the coming fire that it came, and he didn't hear him. But he heard him in a low, gentle whisper and knew exactly what to do from there. See, if we want to hear God in the, that gentle whisper, even with the, noise, the noisy world all around us, do we have to come in prayer. We have to pray to him and communicate with him. Not just speak, but also listen. To be still and quiet before the Lord, to hear his gentle voice. Not to run past what he has to say. See, as much as you would want to know the Holy Spirit and experience more of him, the Holy Spirit is desperate to know you more. To partake with you, to commune with you, and relate to you. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed with the day of redemption. You may think that you've never grieved the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that I was convicted of is I realized that the Holy Spirit was leading and trying to guide me in different ways, and I was resisting him. There were times where I would hear of of the gifts of the Spirit, and I would say, ah, that's not for me. I I kind of viewed the Holy Spirit as this, this cosmic vending machine, where I'd come to and I would say, just give me these gifts. And I didn't want to relate to God in that way. So I'd say, you know what, I would rather just keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length. And I realized that 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 didn't bring joy to, to God. That didn't bring joy to the Trinity for my zeal for trying to be a purist in my faith. The Holy Spirit wanted to, to relate to me, wanted to, to know me more. I see this actually in, in our parenting. I... Um, anyone here whose parents may have seen that the kids kind of go through these phases. There's like a mommy phase and a daddy phase, and they're all about mommy, and then they're all about daddy and things like that. So our, our son, Ephraim, is two going on three, and he's, he's right now firmly in dad, dad camp, team dad, you know. And he's all about dad. And so when I come home, he runs and gives me a big hug. But then he says, no, mommy, no. And you would think I would be happy with that, but I'm not. You see, because in the evening, I go up to my room, and I see my wonderful wife, and I see the tears in her eyes, and she says, why doesn't my son love me? What have I done that that he doesn't care about me, that he doesn't want to spend time with me? Am I a terrible mom? And I'll say, no, you're an incredible mom. You're the best mom I've ever seen. And so next time when Ephraim runs to me and says, no, mommy, I say, no, we love mommy, and we all do hugs together. You see, by resisting the Holy Spirit, by rejecting the Holy Spirit, by keeping your arm's length from the Holy Spirit, you're not bringing glory to Jesus. You're not bringing glory to God the Father. The Trinity came in such humility that the Holy Spirit kept pointing to Jesus. And Jesus kept saying, no, by my Spirit, you can do all things. No, I can only do what the Father sees. They're always pointing at each other with humility and all grace. If we want all of Jesus, we have to come with all of the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer said that if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. 
The Bible is full of times where they said the Spirit like, led them in one way or another. The Spirit prevented them from going this way. The Spirit, would they give them a dream of, of this or that, would say, come to Macedonia, do this. The Spirit would protect them. The Spirit would open their bonds and help them to be free. The Spirit was so much in their lives, and they hungered and thirsted for more and more and more of the Spirit because they had a greater intimacy with Jesus and the Father through the Spirit. In preparing for this talk a, a few weeks ago, I had this dream of, actually, the Holy Spirit. It was this really vivid dream, and the Holy Spirit was this helper, and then he was this, this like, lawyer who was an advocate, who was advocating and trying to break bonds of oppression, and, and the powers that be, the, this, like, corporate body was scared of the Holy Spirit. It's like, what are we going to do? The Holy Spirit's after us. What are we going to do, you know? And I was like, wow, the Holy Spirit is, he's, he's awesome. He's pretty, he's pretty cool. And then, but in the final scene of, of the dream, the Holy Spirit was weeping in his, in, his, in his home. He said, what's wrong? And the Holy Spirit said, you know, the people that aren't my people, I can understand them maligning me, insulting me, and rejecting me. But not my people. But my church rejects me. My church doesn't care about me. My church holds me at a distance. And I woke up and I just, I repented immediately for the times where I've done that. You would think that if after having such an incredible salvation experience that I would be clinging to the Holy Spirit, but no, I was scared of the Holy Spirit. I didn't think it was safe. I didn't know what this was. I, I was like, is this some kind of abuse of following after the Holy Spirit? I would hold the Holy Spirit at arm's length. I would disregard my dreams, the sentiments that I would feel in prayer. I would think myself out of that. Ah, oh, that just must be my mind playing tricks on me. And I wouldn't test those feelings by the truth of the word. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, humility, forbearance, kindness. That if those fruits of the Holy Spirit are true, yes, the Holy Spirit is guiding you. Because see, of the flesh, we, those things can't come of the flesh. And I just felt like if we wanted to have more of the Holy Spirit, one of the things we can do is repent. Repent for the times that we've resisted, the times we've rejected, the times we've said no this far but not any further. The times we've ridiculed other people's experience of the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if we can just take a minute right now just to say, if I've ever done that, Holy Spirit, I, I repent. I'm so sorry for any time that I've done that. I want to be open to more of you in Jesus' name. See, only the Spirit can bring revelation of who we really are. The Bible, you know, in every epistle, every church, that Paul wrote to, he constantly was telling them, don't you know who you are? Don't you know the old has died, the new has come? Don't you know that you died with cross, the flesh died with cross, on the cross with Jesus, and the Spirit raised you up, just like it raised up Jesus, it raised you up. Don't you know that you are a citizen of heaven in Philippians? Don't you know that you have the mind of Christ? In Colossians don't you know that Christ is in you, the hope of glory? I would read those words and I would say, I'm reading it, I'm not believing it, because I'm seeing myself and my struggles and the, the times I'm failing over and over and over again. How could I possibly have the mind of Christ? How could the Holy Spirit be in me and also guide me? It just would not make sense to me. And I I, I just believe this lie that that wasn't for me. You see, I, I tended to see God as this, this strict disciplinarian of saying, man, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did this. 
that's not what the Holy Spirit does. You see, the Holy Spirit is like this, this, this dad or mom that like, has their arms wide open to their kid trying to walk for the first time. And they have this like, silly grin on their face and their arms are up, uh, open wide, and they're saying, come on, come on, my boy, come on, my girl, you can do it. And their kid, like, like my kids have these chubby little legs and they're, they're kind of holding and you're holding onto their arms and they're excited because you're excited and they're, they're not sure why they should be excited, but they're kind of excited because, you, you know, you're smiling so broadly. And then as soon as they're about to take a step, they go to their knees and they crawl as fast as they can. And I was like, no, that's cheating. No, you, we're going we're gonna to do this again. We're going to do this again. Okay. We're going to get you up. And I get it that crawling right now is faster than trying to walk. But I know the end from the beginning. I know that they're going to be walking and walking is going to be a lot faster. And they're going to be running one day. And so I keep it doing it. I'm just as excited the next time. Come on. Come on, my boy. Come on, my girl. You can do it. And they're excited. And they crawl again. And I know that it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but one day they're going to be walking and then they're going to be running. And I'm going to be the most excited one cheering them on. You see, that's the Holy Spirit taking us gently by the hand saying, I know you can do this. In fact, we can do this together. Because it's not, I I knew it was never going to be by your might. It was never going to be by your strength. It was going to be by my spirit. It's like growing up buying a, a birthday present for my mom and she would give me the money to buy her her present. And I thought that that was like the greatest thing. <laughs> That's what the Spirit is doing. He's like, look, I'm going to give you everything you need to give me a present. That's a great deal. But that's what we need in order to really embrace our identity. We actually need the Spirit. See, in Exodus, when the Israelites were in slavery and bondage, the Spirit of the Lord was what brought them freedom. No shots were fired. But once they were free in the desert, they had to wander in the desert for 40 long years. They were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. Those mindsets were still in their head. They would continue to say, Ah, oh, we were better off in Egypt being slaves. At least then we had meat. At least then we had this. And the spirit, the fire that was leading them, the cloud that was hovering over them was like, Here, here's some, some birds. You want meat? Here, here are birds. You want, you want something to eat? Here's some bread. And provided everything they needed. It took 40 years to break those lies, break that mindset from them. And then the Spirit of the Lord in Joshua 1 then rested on Joshua and led them into the promised land. See, we're kind of like that. We believe these lies of the world that we can never be like this. That we're stuck in these traps. That we are forever tainted. We are forever broken because of what's happened to us or because of what we've done. But that's not truth. The Spirit tells us something completely different. And so practically, something that's helped me reconcile those thoughts is being in the Word, being in the truth of the Word, and meditating on the truth. You see, I've never gotten anywhere by trying to diagnose my, the own lies that I've believed and trying to break those apart and trying to unravel those. That's never gotten me anywhere. But when I meditate on the Word, and when I say meditate, I don't mean like Eastern meditation where you empty yourselves out of everything. I mean meditate like the Christian tradition over thousands of years where you're focusing on a truth of the gospel and you're meditating. Is this really true? Is it really true that by the Spirit we can put to death the things of the flesh in Romans 8.13? Is it really true that in Galatians 2.20 you were crucified in Christ and born again? No longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me? Is it true in 1 Corinthians 2.16 that we have the mind of Christ? Is it true that in Colossians 
3.3, we have died and our life is hidden in Christ. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Is that really true? Only the Spirit can bring that alive in our lives. So recently I had another dream. I know I'm a dreamer, guys. I'm a dreamer. But I'm, just go with it. Just, just, just humor me here. I had this dream where I was standing in line at, at like a restaurant, and there was this couple, and this couple was like, that is, that's a good-looking guy over there. And I, I was in my dream. I was like cringing. I was like, hey. And I nudged the guy next to me, and I'm like, I think they're talking to you. And then I was like, oh, that's, it makes me uncomfortable to hear that. And then they walked over to me, and they said, no, we're talking to you. And then I cringed again. I was like, what do they, what do they want from me? What, what are you trying to do to me here? And then they just walked away. And I woke up, and I was like, God, what was that about? <laughs> what, was that? <laughs> what was that happening? And these memories from when I was 12, 13, 14, of being rejected by the popular kids, by the cool, good-looking kids, came flooding back to me. I, I didn't think about those memories, but they were there deep down. And I realized that so many of the things I struggle with were based on deep insecurities that I had about things that happened when I was a kid. Why would, I, why would things decades later affect me from when I was 12, 13, and 14? But they did, and they were there, and I didn't even know they were there. But the Spirit searches all things, brings those to the forefront, and then breaks those off. Immediately, I just felt a complete release from those. I was finally free, and I actually started acting differently. Instead of struggling in ways that I was struggling before, I just had a new assurance of who God is and what he means to me. And finally, the last thing that I would say is we have to receive. We can receive through baptism. And we're excited that today 10 plus people are going to be baptized, which is so exciting and so wonderful. (laughs) That they're going to be baptized in water and in spirit. In Acts 1, verse 5, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, came to the apostles and said, said, you are going to, you believe in me, but you are going to be baptized by the Spirit. It's, it's coming. And prepare them. They had a sense of expectation. And a few days later, in Acts 1.8, the Spirit came over them in power in Pentecost. And the gifts of the Spirit came in full measure. But they weren't done there. You see, in Acts 4, verse 31, they prayed for more of this Holy Spirit. They prayed for boldness. They saw the world as, as, as it was and saw how it could be. And they said, Lord, if we're going to be a part of taking your world boldly, even facing death and persecution and beatings and trials and all sorts of things, we need more of your boldness. We need more of your courage. And they prayed fervently. And they expected more. And that's exactly what they got. The Holy Spirit came on them again and gave them boldness, gave them courage, gave them everything they need to go out into all the corners of the world and preach powerfully the gospel. As they did that in Acts 19, they found followers of John the Baptist. And they told them all about Jesus. On hearing this, they were ba- the followers of John the Baptist were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Last week, Ken shared with us that Jesus came for two things. He came for redemption of our sins, freedom from our sins, but he also came in John 16 to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was one of the two main things that he came. Closing ourselves off from the Holy Spirit, it doesn't help us. And it just undermines the very thing Jesus came to do. 
See, it's powerful for ourselves today. Just as in Luke 4, we talked about how Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and then he overcame the temptation of, of the enemy. But it's also important for us as a church. How many times have, have, have you seen that, because I've seen this in my family, but where you kind of, no one can really push your buttons except your family. I don't know, have you seen that? No, is that just me? No, no? okay, yeah. That's, that's a, like, there were times where I'd go, to, go with friends to their house and you know, their, their parents would say something like seemingly harmless and they'd be like, Come on, Mom. I, why, I don't have to do that. I'm like, Dad, Jesus, Come on, Dad. I'm a grown-up. You're like, wow, that's like a pretty harmless statement. <laughs> you know, that seems like a disproportionate response to that harmless statement, you know. But there were like years of backstory and baggage and things that we carry, you know. And they can just push our buttons. Like your siblings can push your buttons like no one else can. Ephesians 2 says that we are a household of faith. You see, as we get closer together, as the Spirit bubbles up those things in our lives, our insecurities, our, our jealousies, our all sorts of brokenness, it's so easy to lash out in each other, to blame each other, to feel, gosh, why, why are they doing this and why, why can't I be doing that? And why, they, I'm not appreciated here and I don't like this. And, and that's true for the leadership just like it's true for all of us. You see, this isn't a perfect church. Because if it was, I would have to be the first person to leave, and I'd have to take the eldership with me. (laughs) True, James, truth. Aiden, you know it's true. But you see, as we feel that stuff bubbling to the surface, that's not something to run away from. And maybe maybe you have been in the situation where as that bubbles to the surface, our first reaction is, I'm running from the situation. That may have been why I went to 16 churches in Chicago throughout my life. I don't know. I can't confirm or deny what actually transpired there. But, but let's not do that as a household of faith. Let's embrace that. Let's see, okay, yes, we know that this is of the flesh, but we know that the gifts, the fruits from the Spirit are love, joy, humility, kindness, forbearance. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Galatians 5, to 23. So if we're not seeing that, then maybe it's some of the, the flesh that needs to be dealt with by the Spirit, by the grace of the Spirit. And then let's see what the Spirit would do by a church united, by a church united for all of Jesus for this world that's desperate for him. And then finally for our world. How many times have we said we see the world and we see the, the brokenness in the world, the oppression in the world, the way that our system is, is broken in so many ways, the racism or uh, prejudices that Sunita was talking about in Groundworks, the things that in our own hearts, and we see that and we're like, ah, I want to do something for that. Do you know that you feel that way because of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that those desires in your heart were given to you by the Holy Spirit? So as we pray for those things to change, we're not praying to God for that to happen. We're praying with God. See, as much as you want those things to change, and as much as you see the world how it could be instead of how it is, God sees the end from the beginning so much more. As much as you see your own brokenness, when God looks at you, he sees the resurrected heavenly you. You see, in heaven, we're not going to be like, oh, gosh, that's, that's enough worshiping God right now. I just, I'm really exhausted. Can I just take five? We're going to be like, no, more, yes, more. It's the flesh that's holding us back. And God sees that you. He sees that perfected you by the Spirit. 
He also sees the world and how it's going to be, this new world that's created. Jesus himself said, he quoted Isaiah 61.1. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For the Spirit has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to declare liberty for the captives, and free from prison those who are bound. As much as you want the world to change, the Holy Spirit wants it more. It's desperate for you to partner with him, to partake in that changing world. That's why we're more than conquerors. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? Those are the doors that can open. And that's also true for our, our sinfulness, our, our weights in our lives. Those areas that you feel defeated in, those areas that you felt broken by, those, that guilt, that shame, those lies that we've believed about ourselves, all of those can be undone even in a moment by the Holy Spirit. But we have to come with expectation that he can do that. We have to expect that he can do that. Hebrews 11.1 says that this is what faith is. Faith is the assurance of what we hope for. See, hope starts in our mind that we, we hope that something is true and the Spirit brings that hope into faith in our heart. But if we're closed off to the possibility that something could ever happen, it's really hard for the Spirit to bring that to faith. But the good news is, is that right now we can do that. Right now, right now, right where you're seating, we can say, Lord, wherever the things that I've lost hope for, the things that I've struggled with, the things that I, I don't even know how this can be broken for me, I believe that you can. I believe that you can do those things. And the Spirit, who's right here with us right now, can give us this gift of faith that can bring us freedom, can free us from captivity, can break us from bondage, can speak good news to our broken hearts. And then finally, baptism. By water and by spirit. We saw those were two different things. Jesus says that all who believe in my name will be baptized by water and by spirit. And today, we're so privileged that we get to, to partner with people who are being baptized in water today, and we're trusting in spirit. But this is not going to be the only spirit that you encounter today. That spirit is going to indwell you in more and greater measure. As you pray for more, as you hunger and thirst for more, you will be filled that as you feel dry and open your heart out to God, that he is going to give you rivers of living water. As you struggle in, in areas where you haven't felt freedom, he is going to break those chains and give you joy and peace and kindness. We've seen that today as a family, but we're going to see it in greater measure. And I'd say that if anyone here wants to experience that, in Acts 19 it said Paul laid his hands upon the followers of John, and they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We believe in the laying on of hands. And so if anyone would want to have their hands, uh, the, more of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands, I would encourage you that as the ministry team comes up, that we can, we can experience more of that. So actually, can I have the ministry team come up right now? <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, actually, actually, why are we waiting? Let's... Let's just come on up. Let's just come on up. And I'm not going to ask you to... 
There's just, just two, two ministry teams today. Yeah. Yes. Wait, wait patiently. We're praying for the gift of patience in that long line, the long line that's going to come. Okay, four, four. Yeah, that's, that's a fifth. Can I get a sixth? Can I get a sixth? Okay, I'll, I'll come down for number six. How about that? Okay, there we go. There we go. But I would encourage you that if, if that's something that you'd want, you have nothing to lose. I've never heard of someone being hurt by the Holy Spirit. There, there's no even, like, cautionary tales. Or any, like, if you Google hurt by the Holy Spirit, I don't even know what would come up because maybe, maybe someone will write something about that. So don't, don't Google that. Don't do that, actually, okay? But I have it on good authority that you're not going to be hurt by the Holy Spirit, okay? So I'd say I'm not going to ask you to stand to make a public desecration, but I would say let's just take a minute, and if we can close our eyes right now, if we could just say in our hearts, Lord, I, I want more of you. I want all that Jesus has for me. And Lord, I know that that's through all of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. I pray for more. Lord, I repent for the times in which I've held you away or I've rejected you or I've said, no, Holy Spirit, no. There are times where I've ridiculed people who have followed you. I repent for those things. And Lord, I I believe the truth of the word that the Holy Spirit is in us and through us and that that our spirit being has come alive because of you, that we were born again on a spiritual level because of you, Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come upon us, that would give our hope the gift of faith, that we, those who have long since lost hope, would have a new hope rising, that those who are burdened by the weight of their sin and shame, that burden would fall off their shoulders in Jesus' name. I pray that those who want to see breakthrough would see their chains broken off and their bondage shed. That who struggled in the flesh believing the lies of the enemy, those lies would be uprooted and unrooted by the truth of your word. And I pray for a fresh indwelling of that Holy Spirit, that kind, compassionate, gentle Holy Spirit, filling us up, filling our joy with this warmth and joy that we can't explain. I pray for those who don't know Jesus, that you would give them the gift of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, that they would be able to extol Jesus as Lord because of the gift of your Holy Spirit. We pray for more. Yes, Lord, more of you, Lord, more of you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.